Hello and welcome to the Discovering Hidden Profit podcast for business leaders. Today, in part one of this series, Julia Kirby interviews Robert Martachenko on the future of the supply chain industry after COVID-19. If you'd like a free copy of Robert's white paper on this topic, you'll find it at LeanCore.com under Supply Chain and Business Strategy Resources. And if you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe to the Discovering Hidden Profit podcast channel. Hi, I'm Julia Kirby, LeanCore's online training manager, and I'm joined today by Robert Martachenko, speaker, author, and LeanCore Supply Chain Group CEO. Hi, Robert. Hey, Julia. How are you? I'm doing well, hanging in there. How about yourself? Yeah, the same. We're definitely living in interesting times. That's for sure. And so on on everyone's mind right now is is obviously the COVID-19, and you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who could say that that they haven't been affected and, and aren't being affected. And I know our listeners can't see you right now, Robert, but uh, you're wearing a baseball cap, which I, I haven't seen before these past few weeks. <laughs> so would this be because you haven't been able to, to get a haircut due to the social distancing guidelines? Well, certainly uh, working from home and uh, and I do need a haircut. Um, it's allowed <laughs> me to allowed me to be a little bit more casual than normal, uh, like a lot of other people, I think. I think so. I think this is is changing the way that uh, our corporate dynamics work and and the way that we communicate and and how we how we work today. And and this past weekend, I, I spent pretty much the whole weekend looking for the basic essentials like toilet paper, disinfectant spray, cleaners, and and food staples. But the shelves at every single store were just barren. So it was a little disheartening. <laughs> so what do you think is going on? Like, what's happening? Where are these supplies that, that you know, just the basic things? Well, you know, as we all know, there's a, uh, this is an unprecedented event, and it's certainly bringing supply chain management into the into the forefront and you know the your everyday citizen who maybe didn't often think about the importance of supply chain and logistics are now realizing the importance but you know i think what's what's most critical is for us to take the conversation very seriously and not confuse you know empty toilet paper shelves with the real um uh, serious critical issues of for example of us not having the right medicines and ventilators and uh professional or the protective personal equipment that uh that healthcare workers need to stay safe and frankly what anybody needs to stay safe but in particular our healthcare workers who are the ones that are on the front lines ultimately taking care of the patients so you know we need to think about this thing at, from a serious level but then back to your question about you know consumer goods and and the toilet paper uh i think i you know i just recently published a white paper about the post covid-19 uh supply chain the crisis supply chain and i mentioned in it that um you know let's not confuse uh, uh empty toilet paper shelves with an actual shortage of inventory the fact is is that uh Probably your average citizen maybe panics a little bit, panic buys, social media tells people they need to go and there's a little bit of a hurricane or weather natural disaster um, element to our thinking. So we go and grab water and toilet paper and so forth. So there's lots of toilet paper out there. It's just sitting in people's homes now as opposed to sitting on the shelf. Right. 
and the the white paper that you refer to, uh, we do have that available at leancore.com, and we'll make sure to to put a, a link to that in in the podcast description so you can find that and and read the whole thing. And and I found it really interesting. You you talk about this black swan event and and how you you compare this pandemic to weather related disasters and um you know comparing the two like how how are they so different um you know but both are are sort of these black swan events well it's an interesting thing in that i wasn't actually that familiar with this uh, term black swan event um, until now, to be honest with you. And then so I did what I do and I went and learned about it and researched it. And it's an interesting definition because a black swan event is characterized as something that's totally unprecedented. Um, and it seems like it comes out of the blue, but actually another definition that characterizes a black swan event is that in hindsight, we should have known and we should have been prepared. And that's why I think this really is a black swan event. We're, we're realizing now that a lot of people uh, and uh, who who think about world health and and uh, who think about the the world at a macro level have certainly been heeding warnings of some kind of pandemic or some type of health crisis. So I think that's what makes it a black swan event. Is is that yes, it uh, appeared to come out of nowhere, and for sure we weren't ready. Um, but then in hindsight, um, we should have probably been ready and, uh, and been prepared. Um, you know, and, and then so I, in all of this, uh, I do what I do when I'm, when I'm struggling with something and, and, and trying to think through things, in particular this crisis, because so much of it is connecting to supply chain, which is what I, is what my world, um, I, start to write that's just my go-to to get my own thoughts down and in that um, i also sit on the board of allen which is the american logistics aid network which is a not-for-profit organization that does a lot of work around um, logistics and supply chain relative to natural disasters and so forth so i've got some experience of what goes on during more natural disaster type of, of elements like weather, hurricanes, and so forth. And what's interesting about, a say, a hurricane versus um, this COVID is that during a hurricane, it's typically isolated to a particular area or a particular region, and then the rest of the country and or the rest of the world is in a position to help that area. Um, and that's very different than this. What we have right now is the whole country and all of North America and all of the world are actually being impacted. So it's not a case of a state is, that's not impacted being able to help one that is because all the states are taking care of themselves. So there's that element to it. It's just more pervasive and ubiquitous in nature. The second thing is, is around the... Uh, materials and supplies that people actually need. Um, during a hurricane, we see that almost everybody from private citizens to churches to not-for-profit groups to for-profit companies to government all can lend a hand. Everything from one blanket, one sweater, a case of bottled water, um, a, a box of canned food, um, all of these can be sent from a million different places to the impacted area. And you know, and just a sidebar of that, we also know from our work with Alan that during hurricanes, often 
a lot of these supplies go to waste and go unused, which is another whole story of us having to be able to coordinate more effectively during natural disasters. However, uh, with this COVID and the shortage of, uh, of uh, the personal protective equipment, the PPE um, and uh, ventilators and, and, and medicines and hospital beds and so forth, this is not a case of where the just your your average citizen caring person or church uh, or not-for-profit can just help you know certainly we have you know there there's anecdotes now of you know grandmothers knitting masks and so forth for people but but in a medical crisis we need specific items they're generally speaking uh, uh, higher tech items um, you know, with, is certainly in the case of ventilators and so forth, but it's a specific list of things we need, and these can only come from specific suppliers, um, and and we also can't afford any waste in that system. In other words, none of these supplies can be wasted, um, which is just unacceptable if that's the case. So, so there's a lot of difference between a medical crisis and a more natural disaster crisis like a hurricane relative to the response from a supply chain and logistics point of view. And and kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier, how there's a, a distinct difference between sort of the, the consumer goods that that we're looking for and then the critical health healthcare needs that uh, that we're trying to get. And uh, so you know they're kind of separated into to those two categories and the latter of which the the critical healthcare supplies it's it's really scary because we're we're risking the the health of frontline healthcare workers you know who don't have enough masks and gloves to protect themselves against the virus and then we also you know the the ventilator issue where we don't have enough ventilators to to help people recover from from the impact of the virus so and and with that, the the media seems to be really blaming supply chain operations and 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 also the the just in time principle of of supply chain and and also in, in manufacturing for not having these critical reserves. And so, you know, what do you think about that? Is is it a supply chain malfunction or or is it something different? Well, you know, there's a lot of different uh, conversations going on, and certainly lean and operational excellence uh, are 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 getting some negative press, um, if you will, relative to perhaps inventories being uh, too low and so forth. But but this is the the conversation is really this. So so the first, your question is 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 there a supply chain malfunction? Well, the short answer is yes, absolutely there is by just by virtue of the fact that our healthcare workers don't have the that don't have what they need and um, and so if people in particular our healthcare workers and then by proxy the patients themselves don't have what they need then that is definitely means that there was a, a supply chain malfunction now the next question then is okay there's a supply chain malfunction but uh, is there, you know, could it could it have been prevented? So, in other words, is there actually a root cause to the supply chain malfunction? And this is where I would argue that no, um, there there isn't. The fact is, is that this is an unprecedented event. So, uh, the ability for us to know exactly what we would have needed 
where we would have needed it, in what quantity we would have needed it, um, you know, until this event, because nobody ever did that type of extensive pre-planning, um, it's just not, probably not reasonable to think that we should have a, a been prepared um, for this. And, and to that end, then that begs the question, well, why not? And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, the organizations in, in particular private organizations who make a lot of these products, um, they're, they're businesses that work in a capitalist society and, and there's, no, in, there's no incentives to be inefficient. So I don't think it's reasonable today uh, to, to be able to use a review mirror and say that uh, some organization that makes ventilators or makes mass, surgical masks, should have been sitting on inventories that would probably be in mul multiples of a hundred or a thousand times more than they would ever have from an inventory level point of view in order to be efficient. Um, and so, so, so to that end, and then at the same time, you know, I don't, I would never want to sound defensive uh, from an operational excellence and lean point of view. Um, because the fact is is that we don't have what we need and this is the most serious part of this um, but at the same time uh, what I would call out is um, uh, is that to argue that um, that lean supply chains don't take just in case into consideration that's that's not um, that that's not a true statement when we do our inventory planning from a lean perspective, we are trying to optimize inventory levels. We're not trying to minimize inventory levels. And uh, nobody would, like, it's not reasonable to say that lean supply chains uh, minimize inventory so low that we create the shortages. Um, because the whole essence of lean thinking is about making sure that we can satisfy customer demand but we also say we want to be able to satisfy customer de demand at the lowest possible total cost to the system. So we, we, it's not about inventory minimization, it's about inventory optimization. And when we do our inventory planning at a tactical level, not to take us too down into the weeds here, but when we do our inventory planning at a tactical level, we plan for three types of inventory. Uh, uh, cycle stock, buffer stock, and safety stock. And cycle stock is to protect us against um, against average demand about around known demand and demand during replenishment time. Buffer stock is to protect us um, against known variability in demand, um, uh, common common variability, if you will, common cause variability. So just the ups and downs of of customer demand from a day, daily, weekly, or monthly point of view. And then there's safety stock, which is there to protect us against unknown things, weather, uh, machine downtime, transportation interruptions, and so forth. So if you look at those three types of inventory, cycle stock, buffer stock, and safety stock, two of them are just in case. Only cycle stock is actually just in time. Buffer stock and safety stock are just in case. So it's incorrect to, to suggest that lean supply chains aren't planning for just in case. Now to that end, it begs the question then, okay, well that's fine. Then how come our healthcare workers don't have the equipment that they need? How come the patients don't have what they need if in fact we were planning for some just in case? 
and and what the the short answer there is is that the companies that um, are making these products um, are for profit companies. They're private enterprises, and it's not their job to be clearly inefficient. And for them to have the types of inventories that you would have needed in order to protect ourselves against this black swan event, they would not have been efficiently ran companies and they would not be competitive because of that and they wouldn't stay in business. So this is one of the things we're going to have to grapple with in the future as we start to have this discussion is where, how and where and when would we incentivize private industry to be part of one team that can help us to be better prepared for this type of absolutely unprecedented event. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it sort of feels like wartime because, you know, you've been hearing about these clothing manufacturers who've been starting to make face masks and auto companies who started producing ventilators. And, and there was a story about, um, you know, someone sent a, a tweet to Elon Musk about, hey, why don't you start making ventilators in your, your auto manufacturing plants? And he said, well, I didn't know there was a need. So it, it seems like there's a bit of organization chaos, really, and, and we weren't really prepared. We didn't have a plan in place of, you know, who's going to do what, and there was just this disconnect. So we were we were sort of late to the game on, on getting this going and finding other resources. So, you know, it, it seems like from, from everything that's going on right now, there's some big takeaways about not only, you know, the, the manufacturing, but also supply chain agility and preparedness and um, PFEP, which is planned for every part. So, you know, what do you think are the big takeaways, the big, you know, learning moments that we're, we're going to come away with this? Well, there's going to be a lot of conversations and there's going to be lots of learning and lots of takeaways. But if we start, you know, at the highest of level, we just going to, we need to start probably with some questions, which is why do our healthcare workers not have the things that they need to be safe? Um, and in order to do their jobs um, and why don't they have the equipment that they need in order to care for um, the patients and and the very simple and I, I don't, and I don't want to simplify a very complicated thing and I don't want to trivialize a very serious matter but the the answer to the question is is that um, there wasn't the inventory that they needed when they needed it um, and so in other words and then if we start taking that into supply lynch supply chain language, what we're saying is that the demand for these products exceeded our ability to, to, to meet the demand with current inventories. And then secondly, the demand exceeded our ability to manufacture new stuff in the quantities in a time frame that, um, that the customer needed. And so what that means is that as we start thinking about how to prepare for the next event, which I'm sure there will be another one one day, uh, we need to say to ourselves, well, how are we going to prepare? Um, and uh, some people will probably suggest that it's about holding stockpiles of inventory. And what I would argue is that I'm sure inventory and stockpiled inventory has some uh, some role uh, in this, but it won't take us all the way there. 
the complexity of managing that that much inventory and the number of stock keeping units or SKUs you would have to keep. Like just think about it. If you really if you thought this was a total inventory strategy, we would have to say to ourselves, what are the events we're going to plan for? What are the products we would need for each of those events? And what quantities would we need these inventories in? Where will we keep the inventory? Uh, who's going to manage the inventory? And um, and then who's going to decide where it goes in the event that we need it? This this is just this is a very complicated um, uh, process. And we know from a lean point of view that there's an old uh, age lean lean lexicon law, which is the more inventory you have, the less likely you'll have what you need. So that means there's a reciprocal relationship between inventory levels and our and and the ability to have what we actually need. And the process premise is that as the more inventory we have, the more complex the system becomes, and the more complex the systems it becomes, the harder it is to manage. So if we tuck that away and we say this isn't about an, that an inventory stockpile position will not get us all the way there, although it's it's important and we need to look at it. Um, what we're really saying is that the only other way that we can uh, we can get through a crisis like this is to have flexible means of production. And that means that we need to be able to understand what we need to make, that we have the ability to make it in a timely manner. And that is going to take one team uh, in this country uh, for sure. And that means that private uh, enterprise and public sector and academics and not-for-profits, we are going to have to come together and have a very serious conversation about how we can create infrastructure for for physical flow and information flow and have pre-planned what it is we think we might need to make, where we will make it, who will make it, so we can have pre-planned tooling, pre-planned raw materials, and um, and 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 have all of the operational, tactical organizations knowing their role in the event that we need to mobilize them um, once again. And it's going to be it's going to be um, a big conversation. It's going to be a hard conversation, and it's going to be a complicated conversation. But at the same time, uh, I think it will be extremely profound and extremely rewarding um, and meaningful because I know that collectively we know how to do these things. We know how to have this conversation and it will just be a case of, of actually getting uh, the right people in multiple rooms, having multiple discussions and then uh, bringing it all together. Thanks, Robert. You know, it, it looks like we're running out of time for, for today, but I think there's a lot more to this conversation that, you know, that we can dig into in, in the next episode. But until then, for more relevant supply chain insights, check out the CSCMP podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, and we'll be back with a, a follow-up episode to sort of dig deeper into this one team approach and, and how it could happen. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Julia.